0: This is Bo Burnham, director of Eighth Grade, and you are listening to Film Wax Radio. Hey everybody, this is Adam Chartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio, and this is episode number 524 of the podcast. I'm recording this as of Thursday, November 29th, 2018, and uh, posting, uh, I'm going to post immediately. This episode continues my series of conversations with actors from Hal Hartley's first three feature films, aka the Long Island Trilogy, available now in a brand new box set if you go to halhartley.com or Amazon. Anyway, uh, last episode earlier this week was a conversation with uh, the actor Martin Donovan who appeared in the latter two Hal Hartley films, Trust and Simple Men. Uh, And now in this episode is my full conversation with actor Edie Falco. What an amazing opportunity to talk to such a great actor as Edie Falco and Martin Donovan, frankly. Edie Falco has quite the career as an actor, Edie, before she was known as Carmela Soprano or Nurse Jackie Payton, began her career working for Hal Hartley back in the uh, early 90s. Uh, She was in The Unbelievable Truth, his first feature, and then also in Trust. She would go on to uh, work with a number of other of her SUNY Purchase alumni, including Nick Gomez on Laws of Gravity, and uh, doing two films with Eric Mendelsohn, Judy Berlin, and Three Backyards. I mean, I'm not going to go over the, this incredible career of film and TV and theater that Edie Falco has accomplished. Uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty exceptional, though. And anybody who listens to this show would know quite well about the career of this wonderful actor. Anyway, she, uh, like everybody else, you know, remains friends with Hal Hartley and was only too happy to uh, participate in these conversations. So that is coming up. The other guest is a uh, uh, is a friend of mine who uh, is part of a, a, a very talented family with this new curated uh, shorts film festival uh, called the Creepy Christmas Film Fest. I was only too happy to bring Beck Underwood on the show. Beck is a, uh, not only a filmmaker, but she is an art director, a craftsperson, an artist. She's uh, multi-talented and having her hand in a lot of different creative projects. Uh, but the Creepy Christmas Film Fest is going to be available uh, at CreepyChristmasFest.com starting December 1st and going right through Christmas every day. There'll be a new short film by a different filmmaker that is both, well, uh, creepy and um, Christmas-oriented um, in some fashion or other. So was happy to uh, sit down with, with Beck Underwood and have this conversation you're going to hear first. I guess we're officially entering the holiday season, so this is my um, way of contributing to that. Again, so here we, we're going to first talk to Beck Underwood, then I'll be back to uh, introduce Edie Falco. Here we go. Uh, this is Beck Underwood on Film Wax Radio. I think just feeling really beat up by the world, you know, just uh, yes. and the state of the affairs. And uh, I, I said, I need to st- kind of just bring on some friends onto the podcast. So I, I emailed Larry and yeah. we, we got together here and, Fun. Uh, and it really was cathartic actually yeah. to bring on people and to kind of for a while just change the focus of what I was trying to do with this particular the
1: So podcast. what was it prior to them? Prior to bringing oh. in more intimate people, was it more professional and bringing in like the... The hot, the promoted, young, hot. Yeah, things. a bit of that, <laughs> to,
0: you know. Which I still, I still do, mm-hmm. but it, I'm trying. I'm really trying to get to a point where it's very curated, which you know should mm-hmm. be for God's mm-hmm. sake. But to the point where it's curated around the people I'm interested in talking to mm-hmm. and feeling like that should be enough for the people that listen or that might come across my show. I'm just, yeah, I'm doing very specific types of things, and I'm, I'm allowing myself to kind of focus on that. So it is nice to have a circle of people that I keep coming back to. You know, I think yeah. you think Larry has been on maybe five t- five times over oh, the fine. years. Well, it's he's a long. good.
1: He he would never admit it, but he does like to talk.
0: <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no but, it's good though. Yeah. He's always like, God, I really hate being on the phone, and then like forty five minutes later, I'm like, really, really Larry. You know. <laughs> then again, he's a performer. He's- Even when he's making dinner, he's performing. <laughs>
0: right he 's a natural and he 's so articulate, not not in the sense that he knows words, right. though there is that, but he he just can, he just uh, is uh thoughtful and art- can articulate yeah. his thoughts really well, yeah. so it's fun, and he does and,
1: get impassioned <laughs> but it
0: was from seeing him in a few movies, just little parts, and I said, "I really want to meet him." Mm-hmm. And talk to him. How
1: long ago was that? Because you've known him a while.
0: Right? Five years. Only five? Okay. Four? Five? Yeah. Not mm-hmm. that long. Mm-hmm. I was aware of him for a long time. Right. But then I saw him do a couple of things and I said, yeah, you know, I just get into my head. And those are the people that I want to get on the show, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they're life partners.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh my God, what a life!
0: Back Underwood. I guess the, what's what's right upon us here right now is the creepy Christmas film festival, right? Yes. Which? How many years have you been curious? So
1: here's the deal. So the creepy the Christmas film festival, um, ten years ago. I had this idea. Glass Eye Picks is really interested. Primarily, they make movies so that they can make swag. They all... Larry loves, like, you know, ephemera and objects, as you can see. He would love to have action figures from any of his movies. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things I thought would be a cool product was to do sort of alternative takes on the advent calendar. So the first one... So there were three. There was... Halloween, which was a natural. It was an October one every, you know, from the 1st to the 30th, we opened up these fun little windows and there was something behind. We did a Kama Sutra one, which was sort of saucy little pictures um, Mm. for Valentine's that was February 1 through 14. Those were both illustrated by Bram Ravel, who's a glass-eye regular and does a lot of storyboard art, and he's an amazing comic book artist and writer. Um, And then my baby was the Creepy Christmas calendar Mm -hmm. so I made this giant diorama I collect a lot of dollhouses and dolls and old toys and you know that whole island of misfit toys vibe is like totally my jam so um, I made this huge diorama in my barn upstate with dollhouses and taxidermy and lots and lots of glitter and glue Mm -hmm. and I photographed that and then I photographed 25 little scenarios little vignettes with dolls and skeletons and just little things that were slightly off and those were the windows when you opened up those were the images. So after I did that I thought oh there's something more here. So I sent my first idea was to send I called 25 different filmmakers that I knew and I said I'm doing this festival I'm going to send some objects to you and I need you to make a short film and they were like uh, okay. That was in uh, September before of the December thing. So it was only a couple months ahead. Mm-hmm. So I packed up the objects from each window like let's say you know um, Jim Mickle got this mm-hmm. one old doll um, other people got whatever was in the window they got sent so the only other thing was between 30 seconds and 3 to 5 minutes I mean the shorts in Creepy Christmas are genuinely short they're not like 15 like five, movies. Five minutes yeah mm-hmm. and so that was the only thing and I, I got the movies back sometimes the night before they were going to premiere <laughs> and so that was the two, 2008 festival it was super fun and At that point, I also invited people that weren't, quote-unquote, real filmmakers, but maybe they were performance artists or poets or graphic artists. And I just thought this is kind of a cool way to have people just throw down and say, let's make a movie. Mm -hmm. And frankly, 10 years ago, um, the whole landscape was a little different. I mean, I think we all shot on little point-and-shoot cameras um, it was very low-tech. I mean, I looked at the resolution on some of the movies the other day, and they are very, you know, mm-hmm. small. So it really was sort of like a let's put on a show kind of gang. Mm-hmm. And so I hadn't really thought about doing another one. Um, and then I was talking to Ben Duff, who is a glass-eye regular. He works on a lot of the movies. And... You know, he was expressing he, he was maybe 14 when the first one came out, you know, <laughs> so he he's young and uh, he basically we, we started like talking about it and really reminiscing and saying how cool it was. And even some of the odd parts of it were what made it so great. So I was like, we should do it again. And he's like, yeah, you should do it again. And I was like, should we do it again? And so I was like, will you help me? And so he just said yes. I was like, OK, I have one partner to help me co-curate. He's an alumni of RISD, so he invited mm-hmm. a bunch of his peeps from there. We asked some of the originals. We went to new people. Um, so we have a really cool lineup. And once again, I would say this time there's probably more real filmmakers, mm-hmm. but it's a great lineup. Animators, um, people from theater, you know, live action directors, mm-hmm. a whole bunch.
0: So let's just name some of them more. Maybe they've been on the show, like Jim Mickle, even though that was yeah, the first Yeah, no, season. Jim
1: Mickle did one last time. Mary Heron did one oh, yeah. for the last festival, which was super great. Mm-hmm. Um it's American
0: Psycho, for those who listen.
1: Yeah. She did a really great short called Night Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And she's, of course, you know, from American Psycho. And sure. also Alias Grace is our mm-hmm. new cool show that's out on Netflix. So.
0: She's she's prescient because she, she made her lead character in a, perhaps her most famous movie. Or, you know, it's up there inspired by our president so oh scary years yeah. before he was oh elected president, yes, right? yes he based definitely. himself on
1: yeah she definitely right. got her finger on the pulse that one <laughs> um and uh yeah we had um in the last one we had jt petty who's you know no, no, kind no. of does Don't everything from jt petty does you know um uh, horror movies but also does a lot of i think he's most famous for a lot of video games and stuff that he's worked on and um, Larry Fessenden, of course. This time around, we have Jen Wexler, who's it's really uh-huh. exciting. She's like in between doing so much festival work for the Ranger. She threw down, and she has made an amazing short. Um, Mickey Keating, who is another person. i for me, it was very touching when I, you know, you send out the email inviting people, and you don't really know how they're going to sure. respond. And he responded back, "Um, I've been waiting to get this email since the first festival. (laughs) Wow. Once again, eight years, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, I think he was probably 19 or something, if that, you know, another young person. So it's kind of great, the legacy of the festival and the people who saw it back then. And it really did represent something a little strange. And, um, of course, Larry's doing one... um, and yeah, and then we have an animator, uh, and I have two sets of sister twins that are that are part of the festival. One, uh, Joy and Noel, they're um, incredible animators. They have a show right now called Human Kind Of on Facebook Live that's lovely. And I meant to have a little list of superlatives here because I feel like I'm going to keep Oh, it was repeating same, same. amazing and incredible because all amazing, these people ta- are talented amazing terrifyingly talented that's a good one um, it and has, it has literative right? i love the alliterations yes yeah. it's true um and, and jessica grindstaff she is from a very you know the Hollywood world of theater and avant-garde sort of puppetry and marionette work she just had a big show at bam um it's really, really cool to see how many different visions are coming in. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll tap, uh, I'll invite someone who does live action, like Larry Fessenden, for instance. He'll... He is known for his dramatic live-action horror movies, and he loves to use the festival as a way to get back down on his knees. Sorry, Larry. And <laughs> pull out all his action figures and do stop-motion, which mm-hmm. is his first love. Like many filmmakers started out doing stop-motion with G.I. Joes mm-hmm. and all his action figures, right. which he has many, and all his Frankensteins and Wolfman. Top, yeah. um, so he's actually off making his right now. and um,
0: Perhaps most famously, uh, Todd Haynes is... Uh... Oh yeah. Right cuz he started off with the uh the uh, Karen Carpenter Karen story. Karen Carpenter story with which was not it wasn't stop animation it was using puppets but it was right it was like uh, Yeah, wasn't it? GI some, Joe's and, was, Yeah,
1: I feel like it was some stop motion. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. You think you mean you, you think they were holding the dolls just, by the legs and just walking yeah, them through the frame. Yeah, th- I remember I think that was it. Yeah, with the hands.
0: I just yeah. remember I don't think it was even stop motion, yeah. but anyway.
1: I mean, I think it's a fun way. I always say like I start a lot of animators, they or you know, you start because you can control you don't have to worry about lunch hours and schedules and catering. Mm-hmm. You can control your actors, not unlike Hitchcock. <laughs> They're like puppets, and um, and then often you then move into live, some people move into live action, but um, yes. And the other one I'm excited about is I actually teach at the Lower East Side Girls Club, What's and there's ask a you? there's a filmmaking program there, and I teach primarily animation there, but. Um, And in general, their mission is really about activism and uh, social justice issues.
0: This is the Lower East Side Girls Club? Lower East
1: Side Girls Club Mm -hmm. here in New York. And um, so when I invited them, I wasn't sure if it was really on their mission because horror and social activism and that kind of thing. Sometimes is not like a match made in heaven, but they were excited that the girls could experience making a short film in a genre that they're all love and passionate about and just sort of analyzing, you know, what's a jump scare? How, what, how, how are those made? Um, and so they're blending live action, animation.
0: Now that you mentioned jump scare, why don't you tell my listeners what that is?
1: Oh, a jump scare! Well, it's funny because I wish Larry was here. Um, so the jump scare is a fun thing to analyze. Where the camera is, mm-hmm. um, you basically establish a shot. Let's say that you're someone goes in to wash their hands at the mirror. You are at the mirror. You, you look um, up. you're you're looking at them. They're looking at the camera like they're popping a zit or whatever then the camera follows them down as they look down they wash their hands Then when the camera follows you back up there's something behind you (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah. or
1: the classic one you go to open the cupboard door you open the cupboard you get your thing and when you close the cupboard door someone's right where the door was yeah yeah so it's kind of fun because you know when teaching um young filmmakers you realize and these are teenage girls to, to think of the language of cinema and, you know, whether your camera is still, whether it's moving, is all a language in the visual, in cinema making, which is really fun for them to learn. And to have like a project that's a really playful short um, has let them do that. So it's, it's really cool.
0: Well, it's kind of funny because the filmmaker, one of their jobs, and it's not always a choice they make, but it is uh, generally the case where a filmmaker... Will try to make themselves invisible as they make their film. Yeah. So when you're watching, like these young girls or anybody, they don't think what the filmmaker is doing with their camera or the choices they're making right. in order to manipulate you. Right. You know. But once you bring it to their attention, it's like, wow, they're yes. doing that on purpose, and they, do, you know. So it's kind of it is. I could see how that could be very. Uh, and you know, I always, gratifying. I
1: also because sometimes when you're teaching, you're always trying to figure out what's the best assignment, mm-hmm. and I know sometimes, you know, like if you're taking a poetry class, rather than saying like, here's your poems, often they'll give you like, here are five Emily Dickinson poems, Mm -hmm. write a poem using sort of gel her style and write a poem in her style and so you might feel well that's not original but what's really fun is sometimes when you just slip the shoes on of like a certain trope and in horror there are, uh, like the jump scare for instance is a trope it's fun for them to use that as almost like a crutch but it then and in, in the long run f- frees them up yeah. to feel like oh I did that and then how will you build on that how will you cha- what will your jump scare do how will it be different and right
0: yeah. No, I can see that it's a jumping off place at least you have some place to jump off from Definitely.
1: as opposed to the blank pages it, is terrifying yeah a lot of it is just <laughs> also mm-hmm. making them feel confident that they can make a movie themselves because it still feels like this thing that other people do, you know?
0: Right. Exactly. Okay. So the Creepy Christmas Film Festival, is it something people go online and see?
1: Yes. So Mm -hmm. um, it works like an advent calendar, only you're clicking on little... Boxes um, on your computer. So um, every day we will premiere, and I, I want to stress again these movies are original. They were created for Creepy Christmas. They're short. You're going to go onto the website um, creepychristmasfest.com. Um, every day there'll be the movie of the day on the homepage. You'll watch that. Mm-hmm. You can click another link and find out everything about the filmmaker. Each person this time, we didn't send objects to them. What we did is once they said yes, We reached into a Santa hat that had 25 holiday themed words like gingerbread, mistletoe, Santa, stocking, Christmas tree. And we pulled one out and we said, that's your word. Um, So in this case, when you click more about the filmmaker, you also see like what their word was, how they felt about their Mm -hmm. prompt. Like I would say it's very interesting. Three of the people did pieces that were really inspired by haunting memories they had of family Christmases mm-hmm. or their family, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that are going on with them right now, mm-hmm. um, dreams. I, I really love reading the, the uh, array of things that people say was their reaction. You get the word. I, for instance, got a word that I was extremely unhappy with. My friend was here who is also a participant. She's here from Portland. Um, I said, let's draw each other's word So she's like, okay. So she drew and she pulled out the word toys and she looked at it like toys. And meanwhile, that's my jam. Like I'm all about old toys, old dolls, whatever. I reached in and pulled out the word Christmas tree. I went blank. She's like, oh my God, I'm in Portland. There's beautiful old growth forests. I love trees, whatever. So we looked at each other and I'm like, hey, I'm the curator of this thing. And I was like, you know what? No, this is the serendipity. Mm -hmm. I chose this word. You chose your word. Right. And I really struggled with my word. um, When I first was doing it, there was an idea that came into my head. I kept pushing it away. And albeit, this was last January. January 2018 is when we sent the invitation out. So a lot of people, when they get the word, it's not like when you think of a film on your own and you're like, my passion is guitars and I can't wait to write that movie about guitars. Suddenly you get this word, it may or may not have any relevance to you, right. but that's your Yeah, lot in it may life. take you out
0: of your comfort zone. It takes no you. No swapsies. Yeah. Oh.
1: <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was no swapsies. No. Swapsies. Yeah.
0: Very good. So we're, what's the site so people can know? Uh, so it's uh, It starts on uh, December. Creepy yeah, creepy. December first. Creep st- December first is when it begins. Through through Christmas. Yeah. Uh, December
1: first through twenty fifth. Um, every day a new movie. So it's creepychristmasfest.com. Mm-hmm. And what what's cool is on the actual site there's a little calendar device so Mm -hmm. that let's say that you don't really hear about the festival until December 6th or you're busy or you're out of town or you don't have any internet you can go on to the calendar and catch up on all the back movies and I was joking with a friend of mine the other day I said you know instead of watching one a day you know that some people are going to want to save up and watch five in a row (laughs) so you'll be able to do that and um, and that's all valid you can binge you can do it you can have a new premiere every day or you you can binge because the cool thing is if they're short you can still set aside 15 minutes of your day and binge three at a time
0: <laughs> i love cats
1: yes my cat Don't, is here that's great my cats scout. which one is this scout
0: scout hey scout
1: yeah she doesn't purr she's in oh. she's in like stranger in the house mode
0: i see very sweet i'm glad we were able to get this in time so so people can start right at the very beginning we'll post this uh right before the first actually and then i'll i'll you know, plug it plug away. So, well, tell me a little bit about your yourself also, since we're. Uh,
1: oh yeah, so tell me, me like, well, what,
0: what did you where'd you grow up?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Florida,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I did not play with dolls when I was growing up, but ah, I do now. Yeah,
0: I'm starting to understand
2: the <laughs> yeah, mind yeah, yeah. frame of. This oh woman no, here. I
1: mean, I think it's actually I have this really amazing book called On Dolls, and it's got all mm-hmm. these very heady essays about the psychology of people that are Become. into. The adults. uncanny nature of not only dolls, but just, you know, all the things of that nature. And in horror, of course, dolls are well, like yeah, ripe since we're for on scary that, stuff. Let's go
0: on that tangent for a second. Because, yeah. you know, what are your thoughts? Obviously, you've given it a lot of... I'm assuming your time and attention. This white dolls can be so creepy, especially like a whole gaggle of them with their black eyes just staring off. Yes. you know why? Why is that image, which is also a trope, by the way, because we've seen it in lots of films I, and TV.
1: Yeah, what, what well, is, there's an is essay it about? Is by is it the lifelessness of it. Yeah, it's it? funny. There's an essay by Freud mm-hmm. called "The Uncanny," and yeah. it really addresses why something it's funny, that's, I was doing him a
0: minute ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was analyzing you, on a Oh
1: yeah, well, I'm all about you know analysis (laughs) okay um so so this essay the uncanny it's fabulous and basically it talks about how things that Mm -hmm. the thing about a doll is it's really an effigy it really is like a human and yet so not a human and there is something uncanny it's a monster looks like a monster it's different the doll is so much like us so similar in so many ways and yet has that thing i think that we all fear which is that you're like is there something going on in there or is it just frozen? Does it move when I'm out of the room? And I think depending upon how (laughs) twisted you are, you then, you know, some people look at my work and they're like, I cannot look at your stuff. And other people like, get it, like, get the doll thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But I love, this is the first, in January I started the Creepy Christmas Fest Instagram and one of the biggest people that follow, the whole community of kind of online creepy doll people, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's been you know, wonderful so to sort of discover.
0: You found your tribe.
1: A little bit my tribe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oddities. Um, there's something about, I think, you know, mm-hmm. Velveteen Rabbit has that horse that says basically like, when you lose all your hair, fur and when you sort of your, yeah, <laughs> when, you're, when your legs are kind of broken, that's when you've been loved enough and that's when you become real. So there is something about the worn out toys and the discarded dolls that also represent... Mm -hmm. You know, that 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 was left behind. And actually, even now, I'm so excited when I see a kid dragging around a stuffed animal or dragging around a doll, because I do feel like toys and the role that they played and kind of um, pretend and everything is changing dramatically. Mm Yes. Because of, I think, you know, devices and whatnot. Yeah. Screens. Yeah, and even Lego, yeah. you know, even my kid spanned the period of, like, playing with Lego more intuitively versus playing with it, like, following step one, step two, and kind of regimented sure. way of making the kit.
0: Well, well, unfortunately, Lego, since you brought it up, <laughs> I know my son was is still, even at 14, still something of a collector. But he makes his own customs. Yeah. You know. But he, you know, it's every franchise, every movie, every... You know, has has their own Lego sets. So, in a way, it's kind of taken some of that organic fantasy play out of it because you're trying to reproduce what you see in the movies, you know. Definitely. Yeah. So, you grew up in Florida.
1: I grew up in in a small town called Ormond Beach, um, which was a beach town um my father was into antique cars so i started going to antique markets really young right and he would be off doing the cars and i would be wandering around looking at all the creepy old dolls
0: (laughs) so it's his start prior to your marriage oh
1: yeah yeah i mean um, why weren't
0: you why didn't you have dolls
1: i didn't play with dolls i i would take them out in the yard and leave them in these scenarios like i would Mm -hmm. set up a Campsite, and then I'd leave them out there for like oh, two months at a time. Yeah, and then go back and see how they'd survived. Okay, to see if they, yeah. But I yeah. never really, you I know, have played to bring with Freud
0: them. back into the conversation. Yeah, no, go ahead, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up. Um,
1: so I grew up in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, I always like spooky movies. I mean, I have a different mm-hmm. horror vibe. Larry and I definitely bonded over horror, but um, have a slightly different, mm-hmm. you know. A different taste. I'm more into like haunted house, spooky, eerie, uncanny, things like that as opposed to like horror with maybe guts and stuff like that. Oh
0: right, yeah. The um, blood and guts, right.
1: Yeah. Of which there's some. Ironically, my piece um, when I got the word Christmas tree in January, Mm -hmm. what I was surrounded with in New York City were all of the landscape that everyone who lives here knows, all of the trees being thrown out.
2: Oh, right. Stacked up. Right. The, piled up. The, the it's curve.
1: extremely evocative when you see yep. it. And I was like, I gotta make a movie with all those abandoned trees and they're like I corpses. Ca- they're like cor- it's so yeah. great. And and I had so bags. many ideas, but yeah. I wasn't I kind of it was too soon. Like I mm-hmm. was not ready mm-hmm. to make my creepy Christmas movie. So I had another idea um that kept kind of badgering me, and that's the one I had to finish up a project, and I threw myself into it. And it really, uh, ironically, is why cats are here. It's kind of inspired by, it's it's bloodier than my usual work, mm-hmm. um, and it's really kind of inspired by the murderous nature of my cats. Um, they go outside, upstate, in the summer. and Really? You know, I love my cats. They're beautiful, but they kill things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also, for me, became a metaphor of my character is very artistic, um, but he's like a cat. He kills things. Mm -hmm. So, but he makes art from it. Mm -hmm. So I think it also is a bit of a metaphor for me of um, living with a film producer, living in the arts of how sometimes, you know, when you, to make a cake you have to break a few eggs (laughs) sometimes in the artist sometimes in the artistic process some blood is drawn so that's kind of (laughs) where i ended up going with mine
0: yeah maybe i can get a little uh uh, maybe i can get a advance maybe a audio or something we can play a little audio from your your short uh, oh yeah that
1: would be great yeah yeah the Uh audio environment would be funny for mine because there's a lot of um larry actually voices my character i and i voice the other character there's two characters in mine that are kind of like a it's a kind of a buddy movie and he voices the kind of tom waits ish right. character Brav- and i voice Bravally the sort of voice yeah and i mm-hmm. voice the other character who's really maybe the brains behind the brawn mm-hmm. and um so mine is a lot of like growling and gobbling and screaming sounds like
0: <laughs> oh good okay that'll That'll work for my podcast just very well. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Screaming animals, but no real animals.
0: Understood. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you, you grew up uh, getting a, an idea of your childhood. Sounds like you played alone a lot. Uh, did you have something? I
1: am. Uh, well, my sister is 10 years older than me. Oh,
0: I see that. So right. so sure. Yeah. Generation older. Yeah. Uh, and then And
1: uh, the other thing is I am adopted, and I think no. that that is a... Is something we won't go too deep into here, mm-hmm. but I definitely think more than playing alone is. I think for sure, I had a very rich fantasy life sure. about alternative realities mm-hmm. because you know when you're adopted, you have the family that you live with, and then you also have this notion that there's another situation out there, yeah,
0: where you're missing, mm, yeah, uh, it, yeah, and I and one thing I think I, I also had a very deep, I don't you know fantasy, I think, life. I, I played alone a lot, too, as a choice. But it never really goes away. I mean, it really, you know, even as an adult, well, you know, you kind of get yes. that Peter Pan adult thing where you yeah. you, you yeah. do grow up into an adult responsible yeah. and take yes. care of other people. Yeah. But that element is always there right. in a significant way, which right. isn't in, like, you know, the buttoned-up types you feel like you don't quite well, you work, can relate know. to. I mean, that yeah, very it's, true.
1: it's very interesting because I think you find that person that that finds their balance with a little bit of alone time. And then you find people who need that hustle all the time in all walks of life. I know for instance Larry, who's um very social person and very got his fingers in a lot of projects and whatnot. Um, when we first met, we were like, Yeah, I like to be alone and he was like, too. <laughs> and then we were like, Well let's be alone together. <laughs> so well, you say we your both boundaries, have sort of a we both have Kind of, uh, we both like to also spend a tremendous amount of solitary time, Uh um, which I think is so, I feel blessed in both ways that we both like get that and we don't think like, are you ignoring me? And uh,
0: yeah, so... tenacious and (laughs) dependent and codependent. Whatever. Well, not only that, but making uh, art is also like, you have to make those
1: tough decisions on a Saturday night when your friends are like, come out to this gallery opening. And you're like surrounded with your set and your puppets. And you're like, dude, I really have to put in some like unadulterated weird time in here. And I just need to do that.
0: Sure. How'd you meet? How'd you meet you guys?
1: Yeah. So Larry and I lived very close. Um, I was on 13th street and first Avenue and he was on 12th street and first Avenue And my roommate and I worked in advertising at the time. I was an art director. And she went swimming at the pool on 14th Street. Mm -hmm. So we were thick as thieves and we got up to all sorts of mischief together. We were besties. And then suddenly she came back from the pool one day and she'd met a guy in the pool. And they became hooked up. So I lost my best friend. I was like, ugh. And then she's like, you know, he has a best friend. And I was like, I'm sure he does. And sure enough, that was Larry. Oh, so a couple uh, a couple twists and turns later, mm-hmm. I did uh, start to hang out with Larry. And then we switched apartments. And I lived with him and she lived with his roommate. And, um, yeah, so that's how we met. So we met in the East Village. And at the time I was working in advertising. Mm-hmm. Then I started working in theater, doing props in theater. And then finally we started collaborating Um, I started making props for some of his films and art directing them, Mm. Um, and I did that for a while, like production and art direction, and we co-wrote a script or two together, and um, then we were working on a movie, and, you know, the hierarchy on film sets is kind of, (laughs) is intense. Um, When you're the director, it's like people kowtow to you, but the art department which I think is the most important department (laughs) works so hard, but sometimes they don't really get the respect they should. And I was on a set and I was looking for a broom and I'd asked the grips. I'd asked a lot of people about this broom. No one knew where a broom was. Uh, Larry came over and he's like, what are you up to? And I was like, I am just want to clean this area up. I'm looking desperately for a broom. He turned to somebody and said, is there a broom around? And I heard like 14 walkie talkies going off asking for a broom. And it was because the director had asked for a broom and not the art director. Mm. So anyway, um, I learned to bring my own broom. No, <laughs> I just realized like, you know, I like had so many other interests I wanted to do. I started designing software for kids at Scholastic. I published a children's newspaper. I love teaching, I love traveling, so I kind of got out of the film business. I um, have jumped back in for some close friends to do production design, and for my son, I did design his movie, but uh, otherwise I love, um, I'm just really passionate about animation, mm-hmm. and I can just go, yeah, people will be like, how do you have the patience, and I'm like, you don't understand, this is like my world, I love it.
0: Yeah, it truly is the the, the, the process. Uh, yeah. in, in that that is, I guess you know the the, gra- the maybe the most gratifying part of it. I don't know. You know well, for to, sure. I mean, it's you like, make you know like in a typical film, you you are trying to make a finished product, yeah, and then get the reaction to it yes. and be able to see it. Like yeah. it's then it's it's available. But right. but if if it's actually more, uh, it's it really is about the process of s- right creation. Um, I
1: mean, working in the art departments on bigger movies, I've definitely met. Some of my best friends, and it's it's a great and I also think it's why my son who grew up going on mi- movie sets, he didn't really experience the glamour of film he basically experienced me the art department you know distressing furniture, running around with the lead builders and right. running gunning and making stuff and having fun and it, it is a wonderful environment um, I just felt like for me I preferred in a way I am directing now. I mean, I'm coming up with my own stories. I'm Mm -hmm. directing. I mean, I do music video and other stuff, but, um, I just like now when I have to move a couch, it's only five inches big or something. It's like a whole, I like taking that world and shrinking it down. So it's manageable. I also can work with one or two people instead of on a film set. You have to wrangle so many personalities that can be challenging. Um, but, yeah, I love. I also love the physical in, in stop motion, which is the medium I work in primarily. I love it blends puppetry. I mean, I spend most of the time making stuff with my hands. Then at the end, I shoot stuff. Um, but it also keeps me away from 24-7 on the computer, which would have been probably, you know, a different animation if I'd taken that up. Yeah, so... It's my passion. I love it. I love how much cool animation is out there now. There's so many people doing incredible stop motion. Yeah. I think all the digital camera um, cameras out there have made it a lot. I mean, I shot my first animation on 16, and then I shot some stuff on Super 8, and that's nerve wracking, waiting to see if you got it <laughs> when it came back, you know. And uh, but now there's so much out there in so many different styles, and it's really exciting. So. Yeah. Sent Jacob in. I'm hooked I think when
0: Jacob's a little older I'll send him send him over here to uh, intern for you. Yeah, definitely. He's totally, you know, I think he really would love to ramp things up. You yeah. know what I mean? Rather than just with his iPhone, his tripod and his
1: Oh definitely. Yeah. I've walked a lot of kids through. When I teach I use a lot of the time the iPad. Um mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. great. There are programs in it. Yeah. You can use iStop Motion, but you can also use drawing right. applications mm-hmm. yeah. and it's a great yeah. little camera. You put that thing on a little tripod. It's super and it's very portable. You know, people get all geared out. Like one guy, Joe Maggio, came up state and he shot on Alexa. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's very fancy. I shot on, you know, Canon uh, 5D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people are shooting Super 8. I mean, so right. it's really it's a, a well trodden line. But you know, it's really more what you're making than than the equipment you use. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, again, people can go to creepychristmasfest.com starting December first, right up through Christmas day and see a new short film every day. And it's all being curated by our friend Beck Underwood. And Ben Duff. And Ben (laughs) Duff. And Glass Eye. UFF Ben Duff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Glass Eye Picks. I mean, it's it's, it's been really fun
1: uh, to, Uh you know, there's so many people going in and out of Glass Eye Mm -hmm. and it's been, yeah, it's really great to... um, To sort of have an eye on like, oh, that person always has these cool ideas and maybe they haven't had a chance to make a movie yet. You know, a lot of the filmmakers just kind of wait in this development hell where they're waiting to get their feature film made. Right. And this is a way to say like, oh my God, let's just totally make this short film and let's just use an idea that you could never talk anyone into approving (laughs) and I'll approve it. You know, I don't even really, I try not to know ahead of time what people are doing for sure. right? right. Because I didn't get into it to be a producer per se. But um, I would say in general, the feedback that I get from the people involved um, is, I don't know what what the first word of this would be, is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like getting a call out of the blue to be in this friggin' festival, um, having people drop out, whatever it is. The mother of invention is basically what Creepy Christmas Fest represents and people get very creative and I love that.
0: Well, thank you. It was nice to to chat with you.
1: (laughs) Tell me when we're done. It's over. I know. (laughs) I sat here with like this calendar thinking I'm going to say something about every single person. Oh, well. But it's cool. No, no, but it's good. You know what would be cool? Is there
0: anything on there that you can't show? Like is there anything, um, is there any sensitive information on any of that? Like this movie sucks, bury it. (laughs) Oh, no, not at all. Because it would, maybe I'll just, like, I could accompany the, uh, like, the podcast with, like, Again, Edie Falco not much to say she played these straight shooter kind of uh, Long Island chicks in both Hal Hartley films the first two he made again uh, she was in The Unbelievable Truth and in Simple Mech. her career has been incredible listen just the the TV series alone that she's done Oz for HBO she did then The Sopranos again for HBO she goes on and does Nurse Jackie for seven seasons I think that was showtime and then uh was also on Horace and Pete Lucy k show that's just the television work okay her film and theater work I' uh, are are also is equally as impressive everybody knows Edie Falco one of America's favorite actors so I was thrilled she's definitely somebody who I've been wanting on my podcast uh since pretty much since I began doing this so again it's a thrill to have had her on we did have this conversation over the phone but i hope to follow up with her as soon as possible one uh uh, someday soon in person and really have a really longer conversation but i'm not sure she would want to do that she does not seem to love talking about things so much as just doing them it's it it seems to me i could be wrong Uh, i'm not sure but I am grateful for the opportunity to have uh, had a small chat with her. And this is that chat. And we're going to be back next week again with actor Karen Silas, who is another Hal Hartley alum. And then there'll be a, an episode coming up with uh, Robert Burke, Bill Sage, and Hal himself, uh, where we all sat down for that reunion. Uh, and that will be coming up as well in the coming week or so. All right. So here it is, my conversation with Edie Falco on Film Wax Radio.
1: I know what you need.
2: Excuse me? You need a woman. Oh?
1: That girl is crazy.
2: I know, but I like her.
1: but she's leaving town. So I've heard. So come on, what do you say? I know what you need. Excuse me? You need a woman. Oh? That girl's crazy.
2: I know, but I like her.
1: But she's leaving town. So I've heard. So come on, what do you say? I know what you need. Excuse me? You need a woman. Oh? That girl's crazy. I know, but I like her. She's leaving town. So I've heard. So come on, what do you say? I know what you need.
2: That girl's crazy.
0: Hello? Hello, Edie?
2: Hello, yes, hi. Hi,
0: can you hear me okay?
2: Yes, I can.
0: Good, this is Adam. How how are you?
2: Hi, hi, I'm good.
0: Good thanks. Good. Well thanks for, for, for agreeing to all this and participating on this and
2: um Sure, sure, sure. I know you must all good. Uh, I will tell you that I'm out and about walking the streets in New York City, so um hopefully
0: you can hear me okay. Yeah, I can. Actually it's a pretty good um connection. Good. Yeah. Uh what what, what intersection are you on? I'm just kidding around. Um oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I we could have done this on a walk cuz um, uh, well I'm not in Manhattan right now but I'll be heading in shortly right after we I, I lost what
2: you just said I'm so
0: sorry. I said I'm not in Manhattan at the moment but I will be shortly we could have just walked around and done this. I don't know. that's okay. A lot of very various- all, all right. Well, first of all, I just want to mention I met you briefly in in, in Austin this spring. Uh, we were oh. we were at uh, the Lynn Shelton's party and uh oh, wow. And I was sitting, I kind of, uh, for maybe a couple of minutes, I was just chatting with you, and and I made a comment along the lines of, good luck with your acting career. Uh, so maybe you remember that. I don't I don't know. You laughed.
2: Uh, <laughs> I do a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good <Sorry>. enough. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. And on the show, by the way, this podcast I do, I've had on, uh, in addition to Hal a bunch of times, I've also had on... Abel and John Sales and Eric. Uh, well, I haven't had on Eric Mendelson, but I've been I've been uh, courting him for a long time. Oh wow! So you know, maybe you can put in a good word because I think you know he's just a little shy about it. I don't know.
2: I don't know. You know what he is? He's busy.
0: There's that. Yeah,
2: he he teaches uh, directing at Columbia, and it's uh, you know it's huge. Yeah,
0: yeah, his yeah.
2: His classes are big, and they're hard to get into, and it you know, takes all his time right now.
0: Well, isn't he, he's like one of the most talented uh, writers, I think, you know. Uh,
2: I totally hear you. Totally hear you. Uh, I agree.
0: Yeah. So normally uh, I have like kind of a freewheeling type of approach to the podcast, you know, the conversations I do. But what I thought would be fun to do is to ask these questions to some of the, your fellow colleagues from Hal's Films that you were in. Uh, after. Right. So he's kind of put me together with a few of you guys. And I thought I would splice together uh, people answering. Got it. Got it. So uh-huh. there's really nothing, you know, just respond however you want. And uh, I'll ask the questions. They're very straightforward. And uh, if the, afterwards there's something you said or whatever, you have any regret about it or, you know, what have you, any, any second feelings about it, just let me know. Because uh-huh. I'll edit it out. All right. All Got right? it. So just to start off, state your name. And your your relationship with Hal. Uh, my
2: name is Edie Falco. I went to college with Hal Hartley, and uh, was the director of the first bunch
0: of movies I did out of school. Yeah. <laughs> um, there you go. Uh, do you remember the circumstances of meeting Hal? Do you remember what that that was like? The or circumstances when, what? Uh, when you met? Do you remember th- what those circumstances um, were? Uh,
2: I, you know, I think we met in college, but right. Um, right. I Sunni. don't recall those circumstances. God knows. I mean, most of us were drunk. Hello. Oh, um, so, um, but I do remember he at some point asked to have lunch with me, which seemed odd, and that it went to ask me uh, if I would be in his movie. He was going to make this movie and he wanted me to be in. I, I can't recall ever having been that excited. I'd never been sort of courted in that way. I never thought of it as the the choice being mine, you know what I mean?
0: Right. So, of course, I said yes, and that was that. You, so you were both going to SUNY Purchase at the time. That's right. And he was making a sh- Was well, he? no, ma-
2: this was after college. W- well, you know what? I, no, we were both gone when okay. I did uh, Unbelievable Truth. We uh, were both out of school.
0: Right, right, right. So you hadn't collaborated on any of the student films or anything like that yet.
2: I lost
0: you on that. You didn't collaborate with him uh, on a student no, project? No, not
2: during school, no. I collaborated with Eric Mendelson. Oh, um, okay. But, uh,
0: no, not with him. So, you, so all er, well, you guys, Eric, uh, was at the same time? And did you all graduate yeah. at the same year, or? No, Hal, uh, Hal was ahead of us. Okay. He got out a year
2: or two before us, I
0: think. Oh, okay, so you maybe uh so he had graduated, you were still at SUNY, and then some time. I'm pretty sure. Okay, yes, uh, of and course. And then
2: after I had graduated, he asked me to to do, uh, yeah, on
0: Unbelievable Truth. I see. So uh, it, oh, some time had passed. But he, you guys got to know each other a little bit during SUNY, the, the SUNY years? You
2: know, she, at parties. I mean, that's as far uh, as it went.
0: Okay. All right. But he rem- obviously remembered you, right? That was. Uh, did I remember who he was? No, no. He remembered, he obviously remembered you from those days. I guess
2: so, yeah. Which right? I guess I sort of found kind of shocking at the time.
0: Were you in New York then, in those days? Uh, yes, living in New York. hmm. Okay, so your first collaboration would have been The Unbelievable Truth, right? His. That's right. Okay. That was your first feature film?
2: Uh, no, I did a feature right outside of school, right after school, literally the day after I graduated. Um, I know, I'm trying
0: to think that was the only one. I think it was uh, it was definitely one of the first ones. Okay, all right. And what did you think of of how I mean obviously you didn't yet have a whole lot of experience to compare no. him, to compare him to, right? Uh, no, but, not, but not much at all. had he already had a uh, sort of a strong idea of what he was trying to achieve, you know, from a stylistic sec- right. Yeah, he did.
2: Yeah, he definitely had uh, enough confidence to, like, you know, gather his friends together. His family was very much involved in in putting us up in Lindenhurst, where we shot. Um, You know, he was a solid uh, director in all senses of the word. Like, he gave me confidence that he knew what he was doing, he knew what he wanted, and he was going about making it happen. At least he never expected to me any sense of... uh,
0: that it might not happen, or, or um, uh, you know, not quite sure what he wanted. I felt great confidence in what he was going for. Huh? Yeah. But he had a very—I mi- don't know. We'll, we'll you shorthand. He was kind of had a minimalist. Uh, yes. Ironic, I guess. For sure. And and uh-huh. did you get that? Like what he? Because you you hadn't seen any Hal Hartley films, I assume. Maybe you no. saw his short. I don't know, but he he didn't really. No, I, I,
2: no, I, I didn't know how many Hartley films there were before that. Mm-hmm. Um, to have seen, but yeah, I mean, he was very
0: clear
2: what he wanted, and and uh, I don't remember seeing it as stylized or anything. You know, I, I, until I saw his. movie, and then I was able, I was like, oh, Jesus, has a feeling unlike other movies, you know. Um, he definitely had a point of view, and, but I was not directed in that way. You know, I, 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 from what I remember, my performance was then what, what it is now. I mean, just mm-hmm. based on who the character is and, you know, who, who is she related to and what is, what is she doing in the scene that kind of thing. So I didn't feel like he was asking me anything too far outside of right. uh, what I've always been asking.
0: Yeah, as a matter of, of fact, Hm. Yeah, because yeah, I'm th- I'm actually thinking of your particular characters and those uh, in both <laughs> um, unbelievable truth and and, uh, trust. and trust. Thank you, and yeah. they were very, they, you know, the girl, the girls were <laughs> really Long Island, uh, not right. particularly cerebral. Let's put it that way, right? Yes,
2: yeah. yes, yeah. yes.
0: Yeah. But that much. Um,
2: yeah, I'm not ahead. saying that she was like me. No, no, as I far know. as his, his his um his uh <laughs> directing style, yeah, you know he didn't he didn't want me to do anything that didn't feel natural to me.
0: Mm-hmm. So, but you kind of played tough chicks. As far as
2: performance was concerned,
0: yeah, you kind of played. They were kind of like tough chicks, though. You know, what I mean, they were.
2: Yeah, yeah, they were.
0: And they seemed uh, that way. Yes, and they were kind of more confident in a, in a way. Like in in who they were, they were outspoken yeah. and they didn't apologize. Whereas, let's say, you know, that's right. right. Whereas, um, I that's don't know, right. yeah. Whereas, like Adrian's characters were struggling, you know, with that's right. Yeah,
2: they were. They were. Yeah, they were a little more unclear. She, she was a little more unclear about life than her uh, than, than either her her sister. You know, was
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the story was Adrian's story. You know, sure. I was adding a color to it. I hope.
0: I guess. I mean, um, but you you were, I, in the long run, having been part of this uh, group of actors, you were definitely played a, a pretty central role in, in that. what the Hal Hartley, early Hal Hartley film, especially. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know. um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Do you have any? Uh, I'm just. I'm kind of trying to get. I like, guess maybe. Do you have any anecdotes that come to mind? I guess um or me- memories. Do have any anecdotes you have or any... memories of, of of that time? Uh, um uh, Whether it's uh,
2: just uh, just about being ecstatic <laughs> <laughs> that um, that he had included me Yeah. because it was all my friends. It was all people that I loved and uh that to. to uh, as you said earlier a shorthand with both the actors and the crew and the set they were all purchased people mm.
0: um,
2: it's one of the great uh, luxuries on a set so it wasn't necessarily about it about that stuff as it might be you know in a film where you're just starting um, I, I loved it I was there with my friends we were making a movie we were doing what we went to school for uh, you know I, I just remember any place I sat there was someone I knew and loved you know
0: Great! Mm-hmm. Great. I remember being tremendously excited And did you have any kind of context? I guess for the time, you know, when these films were coming out, that it was part of a wave of any kind. No, of, God, uh, no, never, never. Did it sneak up I'm on just you? I'm not that person, mm-hmm. unfortunately.
2: <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, I don't tend to uh-huh. tune into to that stuff, and I'm often have to get over the head, you know, with it. Um, sometimes even years later. Where people were saying, "Oh my god, I love Hal's movies," and I'm like, "Oh, I guess that's like a thing. Hal's movies, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, it has a, it's a genre, a genre unto itself, and it was the very early independent filming. So, yeah, um, yeah. it just didn't occur to me that that was a whole that, that was a, mm-hmm. a thing. People were looking at, and I'm like, oh my god, I was in those. I mean, really, pretty nice, all that
0: stuff. And and I think you know the people that our fans of of his films are all over the you know they're they're in pockets all over the world I think you know I think the people that, Isn't
2: that crazy yeah
0: it seems like they're in Japan and Germany and france um that he's got these pockets of, of of fan bases around the world that he's nurtured and that's right. developed in um when you were going to suny purchase and, and i assume uh majoring were you you were majoring in in Theater or an act in the acting, in, act, yes. in the acting, um, in the acting uh, class. And
2: uh, as an actor at Purchase, you were learning um, mostly theater, and that's what, what we did there. But we had classes that we shared with the film students, and so they would use us. So some of us actually were getting a teeny bit of experience, um, you know, acting for film. And this was, you know, just everything you you hoped it would be that you get out of school and you get to actually use some of it.
0: Sure. Uh, right. So in other words, um it's it would, it would uh, what better place to cast your first projects but the the acting program. Coming from the film school and you are a director and you're putting together your first project or first or second project, yeah. what better way to cast your film than this parallel program that's going on down this hallway? Yeah. But you We're know. all speak
2: in the same language. Yep. Yeah.
0: So was it always your intention to go into theater or did you uh you also know, I didn't have an intention, yes. I have to tell
2: you the truth. I knew I loved to act, and I it still was beyond me that I was considering that as a career. I've never really heard of it before.
0: What's that last um, part you said? Can you repeat that last part? I
2: said, you know, it still was too weird to think of it even as a career.
0: Because
2: mm-hmm. who the hell goes into the career of acting? It just was so bizarre to me. I did something you do, like, you know, on the side or whatever. You go to your little community theater place or whatever. But... Um, I just knew that I loved to do it in all its forms, and hoped that I would get that opportunity. So, I mean,
0: that, that was my my non plan. I'm just curious because you uh, you you fell into it so it seems like so seamlessly. Uh, but uh-huh. were, how, were there a bunch of That's years? Not true. Okay, Tell, correct me. I mean, yeah. were there a lot of were there were there years of of uh, um, oh, many many many
2: years? Okay, of uh, just struggle. Yeah. of wondering what the hell I was doing. Like, boy, I should have made a backup plan, you know. I've for 20 years. And um, not that I ever stopped doing stuff, uh, but this was not stuff that paid me. For the most part, it cost me money. um, Because I I got to give up uh, shifts at the restaurant or whatever my job was at the time. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, God, it was rough going, can be rough going. Where was... I mean, I love the idea that I might not look that way from the outset, but, not the outside, but, yeah, but.
0: Where was the, um, encouragement coming from?
2: Well, it was the only thing I really loved. hmm was that. Uh, I tried lots of different things, and for a while, imagined doing something else for a living, but, um... This was the only thing I really loved. And even when I was doing my crazy little plays at night, someplace, or whatever, I just was getting, it was like getting a hit, you know, um, of what I needed. So I, was, I had never planned on stopping. That was never the intent. But I just thought, oh, I'm going to have to
0: find a way to make money because this is not working out. Were you getting any outside encouragement?
2: <laughs> mm, I don't know. All my friends were actors. We had all gone to school together, and we were sharing our war stories, and there was comfort to be had in that. Um, you know, we all had these little um careers it fits and starts, but uh um, yeah, I mean, we were they were my my life at the time, hanging out with them and getting together and talking about who the dragon was,
0: you know, yeah, do you remember what the mood or the vibe i you already kind of said that you were ecstatic that uh, you ex- experienced this ongoing ecstasy yeah. ecstasy because you were surrounded by by these friends it was a nurture the how yes, heart sorry. sorry yeah the Hal Hartley said it wasn't just that we were
2: getting work and taking us away from our little home group is that we were all doing
0: it together I mean, what could be better than that that's true do you remember the critical or the the uh, the public response to the films um,
2: no <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I'm afraid I, I'm not great at remembering this stuff. But um, we did some festivals and stuff, right? Right? Didn't we?
0: Yes. Yes. I believe. Yeah, can't, so, I believe. Yeah, that
2: was, I mean, I didn't know if that was unusual. I just knew we um, had, uh, you know, made this thing very inexpensively, and who the hell knows if people see this thing and it's, you know, so yeah, the fact that people were actually talking about it and we had screenings and stuff with you. As far as it, to, to the outside world, who knows, you know.
0: Sure. But you've maintained, um, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, you've done some pretty visible films and, and uh, television, obviously, six years on, right, six seasons on Nurse Jackie? Seven, yeah. Seven, excuse me. I watched all of them, that's by okay. the way, so I should know. Jesus. I, yeah, no, that's I, actually, crazy. I binged a lot of that stuff. I'm like... <laughs> How how much more is she going to have to <laughs> go? Through? But anyway, I'm just wondering. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's had an
2: addict in their life spends a lot of time asking
0: that question. Oh, okay. That's a fair. That's a fair response. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Of, uh, but you keep returning to you keep returning to independent films. You know, so clearly, whether it's working with John Sales uh, on Sunshine State, going back to working with Eric. Well, it shows also maybe a certain lo- loyalty as well, three backyards.
2: Yeah, you know, I would like to say I'm that selfless, but the reality is I just go where the good scripts are.
0: Well, that's what I'm getting to, though. Uh, yeah. it's yeah, where, it's
2: that's where, what uh, it just happens to be, that I. Uh, some of my dear friends are, are immensely talented. So I, um, you know, for, of course, there's a gratitude for the fact that it came across my doorstep. And then uh, I, you know, I just wanted to do something was interesting to me that
0: holds true to this day. Uh, well, you, well, yeah. But a lot of people still will take some... I don't know. It's. You, I'm looking through all your work here and there's very, very few exceptions where each each thing has a, a lot of uh, integrity. There's a lot of integrity in your Not work. Not each of them. <laughs> Not every... I, I said, <laughs> Not if you look close. There have been times where uh, the
2: stuff that I've done... Um, Because I hadn't worked in a long time and needed to just be on a set. Or it was with a director I really wanted to work with or an actor I really wanted to work with, even if the script was shitty. Mm -hmm. You know, so at a certain point, you've got all the different variables, like the director, who are the actors, what's the script like, what's the money like. And as your life changes, like now I'm a mother with two kids and a home, and, you know, my my needs change. And so my criteria for doing a project changes also. Um, But never... Beyond the point where uh, I would, where I wouldn't enjoy myself anymore, there's got to be at least a belief that I will at least enjoy myself for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, there's some stuff in there that I am less than thrilled about, having been involved in. But um, I knew exactly what my reasons were at the time, and they, you know, I wouldn't change a second of it.
0: That's very honest. Yeah.
2: It is what it is, you know, I would never name those things, but uh, going in, I didn't always think, (laughs) Uh you know, oh, I'm doing this for the money, I'm thinking, oh, you know, this could be good because of this, or it could be good because of that, Um, and in retrospect, I'm like, no, that sucked, (laughs) you know, the project ultimately was not something I was proud of, but that's what happens, if you're in this for a long time, that's going to happen.
0: I'll wind down, I'm going to respect your your time and... Uh, wind it down. What neighborhood, are you, what, okay. what neighborhood are you in, by the way? Say it again? What neighborhood are, are you in? Oh,
2: I'm I, I'm in the West Village. I
0: just got home. Oh, okay. you're in the West Village. Are you inside now?
2: I am inside now. Oh,
0: great. Okay. Yeah, I've got a few minutes before i got to head out again. So oh, very hold. good. Uh, we'll get off in a couple of minutes then uh, uh, okay. as okay. we wind up. Okay. It's okay. Just, obviously, this is around helping HAL um, and alerting Fans, old and new, and maybe potential new fans, to this box set. And um, I don't know if you have any plug you want to make. A, oh God, a, a, I'm, so, I'm <laughs> You're at suck that at stuff. that. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot yeah, a lot. But, you know,
2: I, I'll let the people who are good at it do
0: that. Okay, <laughs> I guess I, that's my my role in this case. But here's here's how. Okay. Well, I, you know, I'm I, I love you so much as a actor and an artist, and um, oh. I don't think I've, I've I could possibly have done a good job at this today, uh, honestly, because um, I've been doing this because, you know, I, it's, I'm inspired by certain artists, whether they're directors or actors or cinematographers, what have you. And to, to sit down and talk to them is, is like um, very inspirational. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to do. Huh. It's hard to do under these circumstances where, you know, you're supposed to be talking about one particular thing and all that. So yeah. under yeah. this isn't ideal for me. But I'm, I do want to express my gratitude anyway that, that we were able to uh-huh. to get this done.
2: Well, you know, my gratitude for Hal having called me when I was, whatever, I was 21 or something and, and said, I'm, I'm making a movie and I want you to be in it, that, you know, is a piece of my DNA now. Mm. So this is in the smallest way to be able to give back. I am happy to do it.
0: Well, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. I saw right. I saw you on Broadway with my then-wife... Karen Pittman and we saw you uh uh-huh. at, we saw you with Stanley Tucci of course in Frankie and Johnny at the Claire de Lune. Oh right, yeah. And afterwards um, she said years ago. Sorry. I said yes some years ago. Yes indeed. I remember. Feels very recent to me, but anyway, the uh <laughs> and, and and you were you know both so great and then afterwards she bought uh, we bought uh the you know the Broadway Cares poster of the of the film. I'm oh. oh, sorry, of the play, excuse oh, my me. God. of the play and the Yeah, yeah. And she insisted and she, this never happened, but she wants to. We're going to go back, and we're going to get Edie Falco's autograph on this. So oh my we God. went. We went back. She, we got into the you know into the backstage where the stairs were, and you, you came down, and I just let her have the moment because I was very excited also. Ever you know being seeing you on The Soprano, blah blah blah. So she gets the autograph and everything. and She still has it on her wall. So cut now forward oh. another ten, something like ten years. She was co-starred in Horse and Pete. In who? Horace and Pete. She played. What, what she, part did she play? She played Louis C.K.'s girlfriend, or maybe girlfriend, quote unquote. The African American, the African American actor. What's, what's her name? Karen Pittman. Karen Pittman, P I T T M A N. Like Jane. Karen Pittman.
2: Give you, me a you, second. Then I, I, this, let me just think. I'm sure I know who she is. I'll have to. Um, I'll have to look. Because he had actually a bunch of girlfriends on that show. Um... Uh, Karen anyway, I'll take, I'll take a look. That's yeah,
0: just, uh, well, you know, the the scene that they were known for was because after the next morning, after they slept together, they get into an argument, and she suggests that she may have transitioned. Oh,
2: amazing. You're, amazing. And, absolutely amazing. Yes.
0: M- and nobody really knows. It's always, uh, when I talk to people about it, some people think that she was just putting them on. Other people think that, you know, that she was telling the truth. Her right. at her character, of course. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I mean, you know, when she told me though that she went to a table reading, we've been divorced a, long, a while. We have a son together, but we had divorced, and she came back and she said she had done a table reading, or she had been to the the reading with you and Alan Alda and Steve Buscemi and right. Louis and, and all. And I was like, wow, this girl has she's come a long way. It's so amazing yeah, you know, yeah. And, she well, she was she's phenomenal.
2: She was really fantastic. Um, anyway. As a as a aside, um, but that's just business. Also, it is a crapshoot. You know, you're in the right place at the right time. A lot of people have talent, who do well. A lot of people have talent, who don't do well, and vice versa. You know, untalented people are crowding our airwaves. And um, so, anyways, he, you know, the strangest things can happen. I think a big part of it is just uh, longevity. You kind of got to stick with it. A lot of people want to do what we do. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: anyway. Well, I just wanted to also, the point of my bringing that up other than the other, the connection was also just to show you that you, you, give you more context to what you, that you've inspired, I think, people, other actors because of that, you know, and, uh, well, she was one of those case stories, case histories, you know.
2: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. That's very, very
2: kind of you to say, because, yeah. uh, you know, there are those days where I wake up and I'm raising kids and thinking, what the hell are you doing now? What is this you do? And um, I, I have to reboot and remind myself that I legitimately do believe that what we do is hugely important. Um, I just, you know, uh, hear stories of other people um, and trying to get their lives going, even, you know, I'm the Midwest and and it's, uh, it is a question I find myself faced with occasionally, but I, I do very much appreciate that. What you just said good I'll let you go did you vote yet today I guess you did oh, yeah. of course I voted weeks ago yeah oh.
0: Yep. Oh, me too A very, yeah. Oh, right.
2: yeah I am sick about this I'm having friends over tonight we're gonna um,
0: you know yep. pray together
2: something I've never <laughs> <seen before. laughs> yeah. you'll
0: Whatever. spend most of the <laughs> evening on your knees and in, in, uh, ch- uh, pro- prostrate yourself um, I know I ha- I'm working tonight I'm just trying to try to not focus on it you know just yeah anyway all right Edie Falco. Forward, I hear you. Yes. All right, well, thank you so much. We should have all the best and all that. Thank you very much again. Okay. All right, take care. Of course. Very right. welcome. Bye. Bye-bye now. consider doing the the kindness of uh, maybe giving me a gift and that gift would be just go to iTunes and leave a nice review and or star rating or Stitcher or Spotify Google Play we're on all these different platforms now and as you may recall also uh, we are also on uh, YouTube so you can just go to YouTube and search Foam Wax Radio and I will be creating a playlist with all the Hal Hartley stuff, as well as I think there's there's already a, a playlist with just Hal Hartley's appearances over the last few years. This I think is his fourth maybe or fifth appearance that's coming up, uh, the one with Bill and Bob, my Simple Man episode, which will be you know I think the week after next, uh, and we'll put them. On these playlists so it's a nice way to kind of listen to your favorite filmmakers and actors in in a more nuanced long very ambitious sort of way anyhow thanks for for subscribing and uh, thanks for listening to the show I could also announce we are preparing for a new website design uh, at early in 2019 that's going to be coming up but also, I, can, I guess I can announce that there will be episodes coming up with uh, the actor Peter Riegert, the actor Austin Pendleton, and the documentary filmmaker. He's got two major documentaries that came out recently. One is called uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? about uh, Mr. Rogers and The Love Me When I'm Dead, the making of uh, uh, the, the whole backstory to uh, The Other Side of the Wind, Orson Welles' final movie. Uh, so and as you know, that's uh, been a recurring theme on the show or recurring subject, The Orson Welles' last movie. Uh, Morgan Neville is the director, and he will be back for his, I think, fourth visit on the podcast. But we sat down uh, recently for a very long, fun conversation on both of those documentaries which I think, you know, especially Won't You Be My Neighbors is going to be a big award winner this season. It already took the Gotham Audience Award, and I suspect that there will be many more awards coming up soon. So I was glad to bring Morgan on uh, or back on to the podcast, so you can look forward to that and a bunch of other episodes lined up as well. Until then, this is Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. This has been episode 524 Of the podcast. Take care of yourselves and the ones you love.
2: Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs, broken idols.